come with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And uh, when you find it, just hold your place. We'll come to that in a little bit. Just let me get a little drink of water, please. Romans chapter 5. Recently, I've heard politicians and commentators and uh, TV pundits saying that Britain is broken. Britain is broken. And there's no doubt about that, it is broken. The evidence is very clear to see. Uh, over this past few years, uh, it's been broken over Brexit, Britain leaving Europe. And that caused such a furore in parliaments, both here and in Europe. And that went on for years. Now they finally have left. Uh, Britain is broken because of COVID. Uh, our, our home nations, England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales, and then, of course, the Republic of Ireland, all have different ways. They're trying to attack this COVID uh, disease. And we're confused. We don't know what's what anymore. It keeps changing by the week. Uh, sometimes everything's on and sometimes everything's off. We ju it, we're just broken. And it's not just here, it's all over the world. There's hardly a nation in the world that's been able to cope with this presently. Uh, Britain is broken uh, morally. Uh, do you know that it's probably most, in Europe, it's probably one of the worst cases of, of sexual transmitted diseases in Britain. It's probably the highest in Europe. It's one of the worst drug problems in Europe. Binge drinking and alcoholism is probably the worst in all of Europe, is Britain. And so for many, many reasons, it's broken. But it's not just Britain. And it's not just our only country. For centuries, our country has been broken. And we're still fighting over it, even to this very day, politically. But it's not just our country. America, at the moment, is broken. It's at its most divisive it's ever been, probably, in living memory. You know, so this is worldwide. The Middle East is broken. And they're desperately trying to repair things and mend things and put things together, but it's broken. So what is the cause of this brokenness? What causes the unraveling of the fabric of a nation or a people or a family or a church even? What causes all of this? Well, the short answer, of course, and you'd expect me to say as a preacher, is sin. Sin is the root cause of it. But let me give you the longer answer this morning. Because it's the consequences of sin, which is separation. Separation. The, the consequences of that first sin in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, the consequences was separation. Uh, they were immediately separated from God. In fact, they ran and they hid themselves from the presence of God when they sinned. And, and, and so the, a game of hide and seek began. Uh, but God was not amused and he wasn't playing hide and seek. And so he comes to them. Uh, and, and, and in the end, he has to put them out of the garden. He has to remove them from his immediate presence. Before that, he met with them every day in the cool of the day in wonderful fellowship. Now he has to separate himself from them and he puts them out of the garden. And so separation uh, is ensued. So only when man is reunited with God, only then does the word start to make sense. Only then does life really make sense when man becomes reconciled with God. In Colossians 1.16, it says, All things were created through him and for him. 
Revelation 4.11. You're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. And by your will they exist and were created. If you miss that, then you miss the meaning of life. And people are restless and they're looking and they're wondering about life and what is the purpose, what is the meaning How's it all going to pan out? If you miss that, you've missed the meaning of life. Man was separated from God then. Man is separated from God now. And it's this separation is really at the heart of all of our problems, whether that's a nation, whether that's a family, or whether that's sometimes as a church, or whether that is whatever, individuals. Separation from God. Something of eternal consequence happened that day in Eden. Once man was put out and separated from God, something of eternal consequence happened that day. And so only when man gets back with God again can he begin to understand the very reason for his existence and the very purpose of life is for us to be one with God. Not only separation from God, but separation from each other. The majority of people wants to have connection with others. We want interaction. Uh, you know, that's, that's the way we're wired. That's the way God made us. We want to interact. That's why there's so many clubs, fraternities, and forums, and groups, uh, because we want to do that. Now, there are the odd individual who's reclusive, who doesn't want to be bothered with anybody, who wants to hide themselves away, but that's a minority. The majority of people worldwide wants interaction. We want to be around people. And that's why after coming out of that three-month lockdown we had earlier in the year, that's why the majority of people wanted to come to church. They wanted to come because they missed that interaction. You know, it's okay to some degree being online. Thank God for the technology we can do this. But we missed the physical interaction. Even though we couldn't hug or we couldn't shake hands or anything like that, but we could see each other and we could talk to each other. At least we could do that. And we needed that, and we wanted that, and it's healthy, and it's good that we have that. That's the way it's supposed to be. Do you remember whenever God created Adam, and then he says, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a help meet or fit for him, something that's comparable and compatible with him. And he caused all the animals to come before Adam, and he named them all, but in all of the animals, there was not one that was compatible and comparable to him not one that you could truly interact with. As much as you like your wee doggy, and as much as you like your wee animals, but it's not the same as a human being. And it didn't do that. So what did God do? He took a rib out of Adam's side. He made a woman, someone compatible and comparable with him that he could interact with, that he could talk and share his life with. And it was wonderful. And it was wonderfully happening and great until sin came in and separated And then we see in chapter 4 of Genesis how that separation became worse because Cain slew his brother Abel. It wasn't long from sin come in to the family was at war and Cain slew his brother Abel. And so Cain then had to be driven away and he had to go out away from the rest of the family. So think of this, Eve lost her son Abel and now she's lost her other son Cain 
gone. I mean, that's, that's a lot of loss, isn't it? Just so quickly after sin came in. But it brought all that separation. And really separation from God is the root of all family breakdown. It is. It's the root of all family breakdown. breakdown. And so we don't do God's ways. We don't listen to God's word. And, and separation comes. And families are estranged from God and estranged from each other and the separation, the hurt and the heartache and the tears and the alienation, all of that comes. And that's why even Christian families can fail. When a Christian family fails, someone, someone stop going God's way, stop listening to God's word. They did. And that brought separation and it brought pain, it brought anguish, it brought hurt, it brought tears. Even if a church splits, you can be sure at the back of that, someone or some group of people were not doing God's way and not listening to God's word and they had their own agenda and that came first and it caused division and caused split. So the very fabric of a family in our society is being torn apart. I mean, in all my life, I've never seen so much attack upon the family unit. It's, it's constant. And even our governments, they bring out laws that cause more division and more separation and cause it easier to be separated. This is the world that we live in today. Whenever man becomes separated from God, they become separated from each other. Galatians 5, 13 and 15, Paul says, But through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And so separation from God, it follows that there's going to be separation from each other. Such divisions within the country, within a nation, within families, within people. And then it becomes even more far-reaching in that. We have separation from the earth that we live on, this planet. By that I mean by the nature, by nature. We're separated. Listen to what, listen to what God says away back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now as much, as much as we have some control over some of nature, we have to admit that it's very, very small. I mean, nature is very, very powerful. It really is very powerful. You know, when it comes to, when it comes to a earthquake or a volcano or a tsunami or a cyclone or a tornado there is nothing we can do about that nothing we have no dominion or power over it whatsoever nothing we haven't even power over the very rain that falls so since the fall 
Whenever, before that, whenever man had dominion over everything, even Adam had dominion over the very animals, but you don't have that any longer. I love nature programs and I watch them and there's one about a zoo somewhere in England. I've been watching it and, and each of the, 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 the people who look after the animals, each of them have their own animals to look after. And uh, some of them have been with them for years. And some of those animals, you can go into, the, into their compound and you can scratch their chin and their belly and they'll lie down and they love it and you know, they love pet it. But when it comes to the lions and the tigers, no matter how well you know those, no matter how many years you looked after them, you are not going to go in that cage with them because they're wild animals and you do not have control over them. You don't have any dominion over them. If you go in there, they're wild animals, they'll kill you. No matter how well they know you, they will kill you. That's their nature. And we don't have any dominion. We have no mastery over them whatsoever. And Genesis 3, 17, 18, 19. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So no matter how much we think we have control and dominion over, we don't. No, the fall put paid to that. Even our weed gardens, the weeds come up. And it's a, it's a battle just to keep on top of that. Thank God for people like David Henderson here. He's got a great business. He'll take care of all of your weeds and all of your bushes and all of your gardens. He'll do all of that. He'll charge you like, <laughs> but he's not hard to pay. I have to confess he's, he's good, but he'll do that. But it's a battle, a continual battle. He'll tell you that. That's what nature does. We're separated from it. We, we, we have little control over it. And of course, because of our greed and our desire to exploit nature, we have stripped our rainforests. We have polluted our waters. We have polluted our atmosphere. There are very, very few virgin territories left in this world that you can go to. And there's great swathes of landscape that we have utterly destroyed. No wonder Paul declares, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. That's in Romans 8. Those great tectonic plates in the crust of the earth we know that whenever they move together and they collide, then earthquakes and volcanoes and tsunamis ensue. And there's nothing we can do about that. Absolutely nothing. We have no dominion, no control at all. We're so separated from even very nature itself. But not only are we separated from God, separated from each other, and separated from nature, but we're separated from the very heavens. You know, God created all of this, the earth and the heavens, for us to enjoy, for us to see and to enjoy and be blessed by. But we're so separated from the very heavens that God made for us. Think of this for a moment. The furthest man has ever traveled in the heavens is a three-day journey to the moon. That's the furthest, 240,000 miles, roughly. And it took billions of dollars and the best brains in the world 
And the best engineers, the best scientists, the best mathematicians, it took all of them together to get man to make a three-day journey into the heavens. It's so tiny, it's so small, isn't it? It really is, we're so separated. On the 5th of September, 1977, 43 years ago, NASA sent up two unmanned spacecraft, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. And, and Voyager's one role was to, to swing around the great gas planets like Jupiter and Uranus and Neptune and see what they could find. Then after that, when that job was complete, well, what are we going to do with it? Can't bring it back. So, well, it's still got plenty of power, so let it just go on. Let's see how far it can go. That was 43 years ago. It's still going to this day. It's traveling at 38,000 miles an hour for 43 years, and it's still going. And just a couple of years ago, it got to what was the end of, of our, our solar system. In other words, the reach of our sun. It got to the end of the reach of our sun, then it goes into interstellar space. And that's something 11 billion miles has gone. And it's only now reached the end of our solar system, and it's not even halfway to the nearest star. Not even halfway. And our solar system is like a pinprick within the Milky Way galaxy. I mean, we're so separated, it's unbelievable. To show you again how ridiculously separated we are from the heavens, consider this for a moment. Our atmosphere is just over 100 miles high. It's about 102 to be precise, miles high. And, and it's divided into four different sections for science purposes. The troposphere, the stratosphere, the mesosphere, and the ionosphere. And the troposphere is the part that's above our heads, the closest to us. And if you're on the equator, it's about eight and a half miles above your head. From our latitudes, it's about five and a half miles above your head. Now, within that troposphere, that's where our atmosphere is, that we can breathe. That's where our moisture or water is. And you may say, well, that's, that's a lot. Actually, it's not really. If, if you were to shrink the earth to the size of a basketball and you put two coats of paint on it, that's your atmosphere. So there's only, like, figuratively speaking, two coats of paint between us and oblivion. Because once you go above that, you're dead. And in fact, five and a half miles, if that seems a lot, that's about the height of Everest, 29,000 feet roughly. And you know that when men climb Everest, how many has died climbing Everest? Because the air is so thin, the oxygen is so thin that they died. In fact, there's many of them still lying up there, buried, can't be brought down. Because the average height for a human being to exist is about three and a half miles. Go beyond that, you can't exist, you can't live. So how separate we are from the heavens, very separated indeed. And yet, the Apostle Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven. And I saw things that were unlawful for me to utter to any other human being. If John the Apostle wrote about what he saw in 22 chapters of Revelation, what did Paul see that he couldn't tell anybody about? What's the third heaven? First heaven is the atmosphere, that hundred odd miles. The second heaven's a starry place. 
that's beyond our comprehension and size and scale. And above that is the third heaven where God's throne is. The very place where you and me will go to when we die as believers. Remember I told you about Voyager 1 taking 43 years to go 11 billion miles at 38,000 miles an hour? <laughs> That'll not happen to us. When you die, it's absent from the body and present with the Lord. Hallelujah. How fast is that? Well, let me tell you how fast that is. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Paul says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye. The authorized version says, in the twinkling of an eye. That's even faster than a blink, isn't it? In the twinkling of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed in a moment. Amen. And the word moment there is a tomos, which means an atom. That's where we get the word atom from. In an atom of time. <laughs> That's fast, isn't it? In an atom of time. Amen. Now, whenever Jesus... On the day of ascension, in the Mount of Olives, when he rose up, when his disciples were watching him, he just slowly rose up. And they watched and they watched and they watched till he was out of their sight. But that's not going to happen to us. That's not going to happen to us. We are going to go in an atom of time. <laughs> Boom. Quicker than a twinkle of an eye will be gone. And that's it. Right up into the third heaven where God's throne is. Isn't that good news? That little precious lady I buried yesterday, I was with her the night before she died. And I talked to her and I prayed with her and I read her, Psalm 23, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't fear any evil, he's with you. Just to bring some comfort to her. But the moment she breathed her last breath that night, her last breath, at that moment instantly, she was in the presence of God in the presence of God immediately. And that, my friend, if you're a believer, that's what's going to happen to you unless the Lord comes and then we'll be caught up with him in an atom of time. Glory to God. So the answer to all of this separation, all of this alienation is reconciliation. That's the answer, reconciliation. God wants us to be reconciled to him. He really does. Now one day we shall be reconciled with the earth. In Isaiah 11, the prophet said, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the, and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young one shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by a, a cobra's nest, and the wind child shall put his hand into the viper's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, and the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That can't happen now. We can't do that now. But one day, God is going to so change even nature that it would be possible to do that. Amen. Everything will be changed. And one day we'll be reconciled to the heavens. One day there will be no barrier. We'll be gone straight through. 
We're into God's presence. And one day we shall be reconciled to each other. Isaiah 2 and 4, He shall judge the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine a world without any wars, without any conflict whatsoever, no nation battling against, no ethnic nations battling against it, nothing. That's what's ahead. And only reconciliation with God can do that. Because as long as we're not reconciled to God, we're going to fight Nations are going to fight. People are going to fight. Families are going to fight. It's only reconciliation will change it. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 and 20, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the word to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Not only have we received reconciliation as believers, but we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Our job is to tell people that they can be reconciled to God, that God doesn't want to be separated from them anymore. He wants their company. He wants them to come to him. He wants them to be in his family. That's the ministry of reconciliation. And it's our job as ambassadors to say that, to tell people that, to show people that, that they don't have to be separated from God, that they can be in his family forever. That's the gospel. That's what we're to say. That's what we're to share. That's what we're to do. In Ephesians 2, 11 to 19, listen to this. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, so that's Jews and Gentiles, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinance, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore by putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The early church, the big problem was the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles, between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. There was a difference And there was differences made between them. And Paul says, no, not any longer. He says, you're one in Christ. You're just one in Jesus now from now on. Neither Jew nor Gentile, neither male nor female, nor rich or poor, neither black or white, neither orange or green. You're all one in Christ if you're saved. Notice what he said. 
and has broken down the middle wall of separation. What does that mean? Well, he's referring there to the temple. You know, whenever you walked up the steps of the temple, the first court was the court of the Gentiles. And any Gentile could, win, could go into that court. But that's as far as they could go because there was a big wall separating them from the next court, which is the court of the woman. And no Gentile could go into the court of the woman. They could only stay in the court of the Gentiles. In fact, there would be a big sign telling them that, and if they persisted, they could be put to death. So that was a, a middle wall of partition. And then there was the court of the woman. Now, in the court of the woman, the woman could go there if they were Jewish, and men could go there if they were Jewish, but the Gentiles couldn't go there. But then beyond that, there was another wall because the next court was the court of the men of Israel. And the Jewish woman couldn't go into that court because there was a big wall there to separate them. And then beyond the court of the men of Israel was the court of the priests. And the ordinary men of Israel, they couldn't go into the court of the priests because there's a wall there. There was all these walls of separation. The Old Testament is full of separation. If somebody wanted to meet with God, they had to go through a priest, they had to bring a sacrifice. There was separation between them and God, between the holy God and sinful man. But Jesus came and he went to the cross and he put out his two hands and was nailed to a cross. And because Jesus was the God-man and because he was perfect, and because he laid down his life for us, only he could take the hand of a holy God and the hand of a sinful man and bring the two together and reconcile them. Only he could do that. Nobody else could do that. Nobody else knew what it was like to be holy as God because he was God, and yet he came in human flesh and bore our sins and was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin, and only he could bring our hands together and join us and reconcile us back to God. <coughs> so there's no separation. Wouldn't it be wonderful when you get to heaven and there's no separation? There's only one family, the family of God. Listen to what it says in Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. After these things I looked, and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations all tribes, all peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Nobody could count the numbers. There's so many from every nation on earth. Every tribe, every tongue, every color. No separation. <laughs> Just one family together in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And only Christ can do that. And only the gospel can do that. And without Christ and without his gospel, then there's going to be no reconciliation, only separation. And man will go through this life separated and fighting. But when you come into Christ, something happens in your heart that changes. You know, it's wonderful if you... If you have the opportunity and you go abroad to worship with other believers from other nations, you may not understand their language. Even if they sing the same songs, you recognize the tune, but you can't make out the words. You try to sing along with them and you all muddle up. It's very hard to do. But you don't mind because you're all one in Christ. And you love it, actually. You love being in among others, worshiping the Lord from different countries, different nations. It's wonderful. 
And that's the way God wants it to be. No more separation in Christ. All one in the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. And that's what he wants for you. If you're not a believer today and you're watching this, you need to be reconciled to God. And only Jesus can do that. Jesus was the one who went to the cross to suffer for your sins and my sins, to pay the price. And he did that so that now you can be reconciled to God the Father. Put your trust in Jesus. Give your life to him. And when you do that, you become one with him and the Father. You become one with all our believers. You become one in the family of God. And it's a wonderful thing. And your life changes forever. And then when you die, you're ready to go to be with the Lord. And you go in an instant, absent in the body, present with the Lord. So put your trust in Christ. Amen. And so church today, we're all from different backgrounds, different personalities, someone's from different countries, but we're all one in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? We love the Lord, and he's our Savior, and God's our Father. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you this morning for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he willingly came to lay down his life for us. We who were guilty, he who was innocent, he laid down his life for us. And we are eternally grateful for that. So we thank you, our Father, today for all of your many, many blessings that we have found in Christ. We're glad for that moment whenever we give our lives to him. They've never been the same again. And so we thank you for so great salvation. And we give you thanks for all these things. Bless us, Lord, as we go into our working week now. We ask that your hand of favor and blessing would be upon us, that we'll be kept safe from all harm and disease that's around the nations today. And we thank you, Lord, for your goodness towards us and your much mercy. We love you and we appreciate all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.